You're listening to New Rules, a podcast about creative entrepreneurs doing things their own way. My name is Jason Stewart. This week we have Dan Hall, a.k.a. Decatur Dan. He is a photographer and video director from Atlanta, currently living in Los Angeles. He started out making music videos for rappers like Future... Jeezy. He has since moved here to Los Angeles where he has a giant photo studio with tons of crazy equipment in it. He's shooting all kinds of stuff for Beats, for Nike, for a million other clients. He's a very driven man. I I can learn a lot from him and I hope you do too. If you like this show, make sure you listen to all the other episodes which can be found on the Westwood Westwood Network. You can go to westwoodwestwood.com and listen to this show and many other shows. Here's Dan Hall, a.k.a. Decatur Dan. So I have no idea what this podcast is about. You gave me one keyword, and that was it. What was the word I gave you? Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. You, you, said, you said that word like you've never said that word before. I kind of I have a love-hate relationship with that word, a little bit. Why is that? Uh, I think... A lot of people like, can like, you know, call themselves entrepreneurs when like they don't even know what the definition is of, of it. And I mean, I, I had to Google it myself, mm-hmm. but once I Googled it, I was like, yeah, that's right. And that's why you're not an entrepreneur. Like, there's a difference between hustling mm-hmm. and entrepreneur mm-hmm. and entrepreneurship. And I think, yeah, most people think entrepreneur that just means like you're a boss. You're yeah. you're getting you're getting paper and you're a boss a CEO. In, in the rap word. Not like in a real... So you're talking <laughs> about calling yourself an entrepreneur in the street sense of it. No, I think calling myself an entrepreneurship in the real sense of it. And I think a lot of people are like, yeah, they, they get some money and they, they do this and they consider themselves an entrepreneur. And it's like, no, you're really just a hustler. Mm-hmm. And I think entrepreneurs have a hustler's mentality, but what separates the men from the boys or the girls from the women is like, there's like a lot of... Pro shit you have to have in place. <laughs> pro you know, shit. Pro shit. To, that's a Chris Black word. <laughs> so what is your? <laughs> what would be your definition of an entrepreneur then? I, I agree with the actual definition of an entrepreneur, which is like they they assume financial risk in order to operate their business and work for themselves. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like I have close to fifteen thousand dollars in overhead every month. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. That's a financial risk, you know what I mean? Whereas like, yo, you might like if you're just like kind of like, you know, retouching or doing whatever out of your your house, no no disrespect to any of that person, you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. But until you have put up some sort of risk, and, and the risk doesn't always have to be financial. It could be uh it could just be like, yo, I'm going to fucking quit my day job mm-hmm. that I hate and I'm going to fucking work from home and do this shit for a year and whatever. So it's like, I'm not, I don't mean to put it as like, mm-hmm. it's not so specific. It's like, oh, if you work from home, man, you, you, you're not an entrepreneur. That doesn't mean anything. It just means that's, you got to start somewhere. But the difference is people who just work from home and they're not really assuming any really risk and then they're hustling. And by hustling, I just mean like, you know, finessing and getting by and doing whatever it takes to, yeah, to pay, exactly. that, pay that rent every month. Exactly. Like that's not, that's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, and it's all like the, the pro level of shit. What I'm talking about is like, is like, yo, I have all of the fucking 
insurance and the paperwork and the register in the state of California as a for like all the bullshit that's set up all the bullshit that's set up for you to just like get your um you know for like you know you did all the things you put all the things in place that needed to happen in order to run your business the way you wanted to and not because I necessarily even wanted to but because when you get to a certain level and you're working with companies at a certain level you it's either you do it or, you, or they're not working with you mm-hmm. because they there's a there's there's a lot of people out there there's a lot of like for what I do I mean there's a lot of fucking photographers out there I'm very fortunate to be even on these people's radar and be people be someone that these people are working with I mean I'm, I'm not taking I'm I'm very I think I'm very talented mm-hmm. and very smart and I get it as well too so I'm not like downplaying myself but there's a lot of different people that could be hitting up. So so do you think because of the fact that you've figured out how these bigger businesses like to conduct their business and play ball and the way they do things and you set your infrastructure up to accommodate that easily that's that's helped you out with getting getting clients on board. Yeah. I mean, one it's like once you get a, a few big clients, then the other clients just they don't. They're just like, yeah, give me what they did. You mm-hmm. know, just, that's and that's in every arena. It's like you know, like once you have a certain, once you produce a beat for a certain rapper, it's like everybody's coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but so so was it exciting for you once you got to that higher plateau level where you started having to hire people on payroll and get insurance and buy equipment and stuff like that? Is did you look at that as? Uh, a necessary evil or a hassle or were you is that something that you were excited about because that was like a, a, a stepping stone like growth, yeah. or like a I mean at the time I mean I'm still in that phase right now like I, I, I'm I'm in I'm at the highest I think where I'm at personally I'm in like the highest level of that kind of middle ground you know what I mean where it's like I don't have 80 employees, you know, mm-hmm. or 100 or and I'm de- you know, my my type of my line of work I would never have like it would never be a corporate like corporate company or anything like that. But right. but like there's but yeah, it's a necessary evil in the sense where it's like these are things that I have to do. And it's like and I'm and it falls on me too. So on top of my regular job of like taking pictures and producing things and creating things and dealing with the clients and dealing with this, you know, I also have to, you know, do all this other stuff mm-hmm. in order to, to just make my business run smoothly. Do you like doing that other stuff, or does it come as a hassle? It comes as a hassle at times, but I mean, if I don't have anything to do, it's fine. Like I can do it on my own time. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, technology has come so far now. It's like online payrolls. Like I have an app that I can pay people. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like it's not a it's not a big deal. And um, you know, I have an account. I used to keep my own books, like my expenses and track all that shit. Now I just pay someone to like basically audit my you know credit cards and stuff every quarter and and so mm-hmm. you know it's like but i'm to the point now where it's like i could definitely you like you got to hire more people and it's like you're not always hiring um you're sometimes hiring people just to help you have peace of mind or not even peace of mind just to like alleviate some of the other stuff that you can do so you can focus on the bigger picture stuff mm-hmm. and so that's kind of where i'm at now where it's like i i'm I'm realizing I'm in the place where it's like I really need some sort of just admin person. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like shit. You, it's always the it's it's always and this is what makes you a boss versus not being a boss. It's like I can sit here and, pin, and think about how much money I'm going to spend on this person and be like, man, I can save that money by just doing it myself. Mm-hmm. Or I could hire them 
and um, and and alleviate a lot of the the stresses on in my life so that I can focus on bigger picture and then go make quadruple the amount of money because I'm not fucking head down in the weeds doing some of the bullshit. It's not one financial. It's not one risk. Mm-hmm. It's continued risk. It's risk every day, every week, every month, every year. It's ongoing, and mm-hmm. that's what. A real, it's not like, oh, I took a risk today. I'm an entrepreneur. I took a risk and it was business related. You know, it's like, no, it's like, no, it's like every day you're taking a risk um, with everything you do. And I think, but that, yeah, that you, you definitely summed it up mm-hmm. perfectly. And, uh, and not being afraid of a failure, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be afraid of failure. And that's one of those easier said than done things. Nobody wants to think about fucking being in a slump or, you know, being down. Versus mm-hmm. being up. The one thing I realize, or I think it's like a common thing nowadays, but fail fast is what people say. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, um, or, or it's like, you know, fail often, fail fast and fail often because the more you fail, the more you're learning. And, you know, it's just like, it, that's where success, success is on the brink. Um, but people are really scared to fail. And that's why people are scared to even be freelancers or entrepreneurs or in the first place because they're just scared to like, mm-hmm. to have this security. Um, and I get it. I mean, if I didn't, I've never had a real job, a quote unquote real job where it's like, you know, I got paid a, you know, a salary that had taxes deducted from it. Like I've never had that. Yep. So I think when you start at a young age and that's all, you know, it makes it easier. And too, when you're at a young age, I mean, I live, I used to live off a thousand dollars a month. Okay. So it's like, it's much easier to start when your overhead is low. Yep. Then it is when you've like, you know, a buddy of mine who's now an entrepreneur, uh, but worked for financial consulting companies such as like Ernst and Young and like Deloitte and all those companies mm-hmm. climbed the corporate ladder, you know, at the same, at the, at the time he was realizing, man, fuck, I thought it was all about the money. I get the money and I'm like, this, this ain't it. You know, at the same time that he was thinking that they basically let him go on his birthday. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know how much more failure. I mean, it wasn't a failure. I think it was a blessing in disguise. But, you know, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, it's like, you be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. He got it. And then he, you know, took out some loans. And, you know, it's like, well, it's, you know, the natural thing is like, all right, fuck, I got this mortgage and I got this, these bills. Like, do I just jump into another job at another company? Or it's like, you know, or do I start trying to do something for my own? And he's doing something for himself. And it's like logistics. It's, it's like the, in the trucking business where, you know, he's just, booking loads he's bought it he invested in a few like 18 wheeler um trucks and like you know all that stuff and he's going through the process and he's not really like i mean we're all creative i think we're all creative just because you don't do like art or photography or whatever mm-hmm. doesn't make you you're not creative but everyone's a little creative at least yeah yeah i mean you're creative i mean people are creative in the way they put budgets together i mean you know yeah i mean it's it's not just like you know it's it's numbers sure but it's like you still mm-hmm. gotta get creative Creativity is just a way of operating. It's not necessarily like its own little thing. So he, so he, he's able to find his own creative spin on a less glamorous. Yeah, but like he's not trying choice. to be creative. He's not like like you know you and I and some of our friends where it's like we're driven by like doing things that you know make us happy. Like we're creating things that are, you know whether it's music or things like that. He's not like that. But I'm also like, well, this isn't the all the glitz and glamour that you, that you know you. You, you know you would think but it doesn't matter because it's his mm-hmm. and he and it's and it's him and he's he works for himself he's not reporting into anyone if he doesn't want to do something for somebody he just says no if he doesn't like a client 
he has liberty to tell him to go fuck off. He does, you know what I mean? Versus mm-hmm. his boss, he's got to be all nice and this and that. So, um, you if know, the I, business does bad, then he does bad. Yeah. If the business does well, then he can give himself a bonus. Exactly. And and I think it, just the day to day, he's gone through some some tough times where it's like fuck, like you know, can I can't catch a break? Mm-hmm. But it's like if you can persevere that stuff and get on the other side, then it's just like I don't want to say it's smooth sailing because there's always something out there, but in the end, too, you're always you're going to be happier than you are working for. I mean, I think there's just different types of people in the world too. Like there's there's people who are fine um, working for the man. More than fine. More than fine. They absolutely need it. Yeah, yeah. And then there's people who are, and that's what I mean. By like if you have an entrepreneur spirit, but just because you have an entrepreneur spirit doesn't mean you're an entrepreneur either. But because you have an, but there's people who have an entrepreneur spirit. In the sense that they just really want to be doing something. They want to be not the man in charge, but they just want to be doing something on their own, something that they're in control of. You know, mm-hmm. so. Um, and you were you were mentioning your when you were younger, you were living off of a thousand a month. Mm-hmm. What was would you consider that to be your your lowest point of your career, or what was like what was like the worst slump for you when you were starting out? Uh, no, and I was. I mean, or was it or was it recent? Um, no, I mean, I haven't, I've been very blessed and fortunate to not have any recent financial slumps. Um, I've always been good with money, but it's hard to be good with money when you don't have a lot of it. I don't know if it's genetic or if it's whatever, like, I, like if it's my, something to do with the astrology, I, like my <laughs> sign, like I don't want to, but I've always been, I remember stories when I was, uh, like, I remember an instance when I was like probably five or six years old and like go to the grocery store after mom picks us up from school we go to the grocery store after work uh, i mean you know like to get dinner and like me and my brother are in line and like she's checking out like just just dinner for the night like whatever she's gonna cook and she forgot her checkbook and like didn't have any cash and she's like we gotta put all this stuff back and my brother's like well no mom dan, dan has some money and he's like a dollar like what's a dollar gonna do he's like no he has 50 bucks <laughs> you know what i mean and i and she was like and I gave her 50 bucks and she paid me back the next day. And you know what I mean? And so. How did you get 50 bucks as a five year old? Um, chores. It wasn't like a $50 bill. It was right, like, right, right. you know, I had like ones and, you know, like. Just a little, little, yeah, like whatever I might, you could do. Somebody might give me, whether, whether it be, you know, it could be anything for me working for it or like someone, you know, my uncle give me $5 just for. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever reason. Whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And, but instead of just blowing it, I would just hold on to it. And, um, and that's always been there. And that's always been there. Um, it's always been there because I'm like a, I, I my security instead of like my security of like working for the man. My security is just like secure in the bag, and or, <laughs> or secure in the nut, like whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Like having just like that that wad for that rainy day. Yep. For me, that's my security. Right. Um, and so, but yeah, I mean, when I was living, um, you know, when I was I was in college, and I had a you know. My roommate, who was you know the same person I was telling you about earlier with the who who now has now has recently started entrepreneur uh, you know working for himself and being an entrepreneur, yeah, it's like whatever i can you can do anything it's like you can as long as you can make a thousand dollars a month, like you can put yourself out there in a lot of different ways, you can try a lot of different things and you can fail because you're you're not falling that far from the ground mm-hmm. when you fall it's mm-hmm. like you know so that's the time I think for people to to do that. Is uh, 
it, but yeah, I've had some slumps before. I mean, when I was doing music videos, there were, I mean, there were times when I would, you know, go on a run and have some, have, you know, a nice little wad saved up. And then there was times where it was like, I was living uh, music video to music video. Mm-hmm. And those are the times when I accepted jobs that I didn't want to do, but <laughs> I needed that director's fee and whatever else I was going to save from the budget. And, you know, and, um, and so, but yeah, it's, it's hard to, people are always telling, you know, young kids, they should save their money where it's like, it's hard to save your money if you're not making enough. I mean, it's, it, we live in a very expensive world. I don't care if you live in California or if you live in, you know, Alabama, mm-hmm. like it's, it's not cheap. You know what I mean? Cost of living is, is not cheap. So, you know, I don't think you should be saving your, you know, I didn't start saving money until I was like, at the end of every year, I could look back and say, okay, well, shit, man, like. I, you know, I, I penny pinched and I worked hard and I budget cut and I did this and that. And then like, okay, I'm going to put this away, you know, mm-hmm. you know, instead of going out and blowing it on something, I'm going to put this away. And, and, but yeah, it's hard to do that when you're just making ends meet. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, when you, when you first started out doing music videos, were you, that's, that's, you know, it's kind of a hard business to get into especially when you were starting out mm-hmm. like nowadays it seems like everybody can have their friend make a music video for them mm-hmm. for 200 bucks on mm-hmm. their iphone or whatever and have it go viral but mm-hmm. when you started out it was a little bit different it was different it was a, but it, there was when i got started there was a big lower to the barrier of entry and that was the whole dslr boom mm-hmm. which which is like with the whole five when the 5d mark ii came out and the once people were figured out that the video function on that was like pretty amazing, damn good for pretty how damn much it costs. Good, for, exactly. That was when it was just like, well, that was a huge opportunity for for me. Um, and I started out just like producing some videos for a photographer who who had one of the first ones on the market. And I was just like getting him, you know, getting him jobs, like finding him content to make, and th- not even music videos, but just content in general. Mm-hmm. And then. And then I was like, I mean, I always had a knack for photography and all that stuff, and I had a, a DSLR that what they didn't shoot video and stuff. But it, you know, but um, so I invested in one, and I was just like, yo, let me get my hands dirty. And I remember um, the first video I did, it was like, because uh, I worked at this store, it's like a clothing store, same store Chris Chris Black worked at, where we kind of um, met, and then we had sh- people shop there all the time. I. There was Greg Street, DJ in Atlanta, was like kind of like looking after this artist, Saha the Prince at the time. Mm-hmm. It was signed to Kanye, good music now, but um, but he was kind of like looking after him. He wasn't really managing him. He just like saw talent in him, and he would invest in him from here to there. And he was like, "Yo," I told him I got the camera. He's like, "Yo, I want you to shoot this video," and I was like, "All right, cool." And I I'm the type of person where it's like I know what goes into this shit. Mm-hmm. I grew up around it. My dad's been a camera operator and an editor for. That's how he, you know, fed us. Um, that's kind of where I got a little bit of, you know, just like the general concept of all this stuff from. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I I know what goes into it, so I'm I'm not even gonna ask. I wasn't even gonna ask him for any money, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, all right, cool, yeah, it's an opportunity to go out here and fuck around. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I asked for money, I would have, I would have been put too much pressure on me. But it ended up turning out good. I mean, at, for what it was, for me, it being my first video, and really, it was at that point, it was like the camera was doing all the work because it just looked amazing. Mm-hmm. It was nothing like anybody had seen or, or you know, it was still very new. Mm-hmm. And so I did it. I edited it together, whatever. And Greg Street, I, he, I was like, just pay me what you want to pay me. And he like came to the store and gave me $1,000 cash. 
I was like, <laughs> fuck this job. <laughs> I'm about to get out here and start hustling these videos. Um, so I, did, I didn't quit right away, but I, I, was, I knew like I was onto something and like, uh, and it took a long time or not. I mean, so that was your first video. That was my first video. So you were, so you got, so you were lucky enough to not have to kind of do a bunch of work for free. Yeah. I went, I skipped the line in that sense. And a, mm. a lot of the older heads have a problem with that. They're like, man, you didn't, you weren't a PA and then, uh, you know, a grip and then the, you didn't climb like the, the production ladder right. the way a lot of people do. But I didn't have to because I, because the barriers of entry were lower with the camera and I was just, I was, on the cutting edge of that technology mm-hmm. and I saw an opportunity and I was like, I'm going to run with it. But you, you still had the presence of mind to be like, I will do this for free because yeah. it's an opportunity. Yeah. And, I, and it still took confidence. It still took being bold and jumping out there and going doing that. There's a lot of people who would just be like, I don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do it or mm-hmm. I'm not going to try it or there's no way I could do a video for this. Well, like, like give me 10 racks and then I'll do it. Yeah. Or, or that's hustling. That's, you know, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, so yeah, and, they, and then they don't care about the actual image quality. They're just out there, or the production value. They're just out there fucking, fucking around, like trying to make it look like they spent ten thousand dollars. Dang, like I can make a lot of money doing this. And so I kept doing that and, and working at the same time and going to school. And then I caught a big break when I started working with Don Cannon, and uh, Cannon, yeah, Cannon, and he was working. He had a mixtape with with Jeezy for Trapper Die Two. And I was mm-hmm. doing a bunch of like promotional video content for Canon at the time, um, and and so that's how me and Jeezy got you know hooked up. I did a couple of things for him. They were the first ones were super organic, but they were you know wildly successful um, to the point where you know I've been in the studio with Jeezy and he told me L.A. Reid called me and was like that video you just put out, like, I don't know what you just did, but just keep doing more of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so mm-hmm. that cooked off. Like for me, that's when I was like, all right, cool. Like this is a real thing. Um, and, and at the time I was kind of fed up with my, my day job and this is not. So I was just like, fuck it. Like I quit, didn't really know what I was going to do, but I knew like in the back of my head, like, all right, I'm, this is the, this is the lane that I'm going to pursue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how, I got into it, but it wasn't, yeah, it was, I, it wasn't an easy thing for me to just, even the, the job that I had at the time, you know, it wasn't an easy thing to do, not necessarily just because of like security and stability, but like I was a part of the, it was like a family and it was like, you know, uh, a community there, you know, mm-hmm. so it wasn't, it wasn't an easy thing for a lot of reasons, but you know, it happened uh-huh. for a reason, so. And how did how did you start transitioning out of doing music videos and then getting into what you're doing now, which is like like your studio that commercial you commercial yeah commercial stuff more commercial, commercial work photography commercial photography commercial work in general because um you know right now a lot of what we do is photography but we're we're ramping up a lot of our you know video things I mean eventually like you know I'm, I I want to do a commercial you know like I want to either direct or DP or um you know, something like that. So it's like a, it's a full fledged production, a creative studio is Mm -hmm. more so it's like, it's hard because the lines are being blurred. And I've been saying this for a long time now. It's like people are finally starting, or or it's starting to catch up where it's like you, in the past you had creative agency and you had production company. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you had the, you had a client, a brand like Nike who would hire a creative agency like Wyden and Kennedy. And then they would go and hire Swanson studio. Who's a production company 
to execute whatever Nike and Wyden aligned on. Mm-hmm. And now what's happening is all those lines are being blurred to where the photographers and the, and the video, you know, the directors and this, that, they're learning some of those agency skills, mm-hmm. you know, to where it's like dealing with the client, being, cre- you know what I mean? And so the lines are being blurred where it's like now it's like a creative studio. A po- like mm-hmm. we, you, you can, from concept to execution, they can cut the middleman. You cut the middleman out, you know, and um, and so and you you know it's like, and so that's what's happening now, and the big agencies all kind of know it, and you know they're they're gonna have to. I mean, they, a lot of them are doing different things in different ways in order to just diversify. But, um, mm-hmm. but how I got into that was, I mean, just basically doing. You know, I mean, you do. I mean, it's no different now. I mean, like you you go look at some of the directors who directed some of the, the latest Nike commercials, um, the cool ones at least, you mm-hmm. know, like maybe not the ones that are on TV every day, but like the ones mm-hmm. that are like, you know, special campaigns or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that they were probably did a music video six months before that for a, an artist like Rihanna or The Weeknd or, you know, somebody big mm-hmm. and it was just, they would express themselves and then Nike saw that or said brand saw that and said, I want that. I want the person who did that to come fucking do some shit for me and that's how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so that didn't necessarily work out for me in the sense where similar, but not the, the same in the sense where I didn't do a music video and then someone asked me to come do a commercial for Nike. But, um, but my name was being brought up in the corporate world as like, this is someone who does cool creative work let's see how we can get them in and some of the stuff i mean for a long time it was internal stuff you know like mm-hmm. hey can you work on a can you put this deck together can you work on this like brief for us like this deck like, pull some references or we have a video component like we need to like that's in this presentation we have five thousand dollars to produce it and it's just like that stuff is easy for me because it's just, like i'm not going out i'm just taking assets that they give me and making mm-hmm. shit out of it for a presentation but they got a budget for it, and I'd still put all my effort into it. Um, mm-hmm. And so for a long, I did internal work with Nike for like three or four years that no one knows about. You know, like it never saw a light of day. It never will. It's like mm-hmm. it's not anything sexy. Um, but and what that did was that got me in the system. It also showed that this person, you know, it's like I'm dependent. I'm reliable. I can get shit done at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when they when they're thinking of who can do this, your yeah. name is at the top of the pile. Exactly. And then eventually, what happened is that turned into external work. It turned into, hey, like, what if we just put you on a retainer to um, just have you on call for like shit that we need? And it started out as just like photography stuff. Like, like Nike has so many products that they there's no way that they could. I mean, they shoot them all for like their ecom, mm-hmm. but there's no way that they could like do a creative campaign, a mini campaign around everything. Right. Um, and but then there was uh, one guy who's a close friend of mine who basically got the idea to just like say, hey, let's put let's put Dan on retainer, and anything that we think is worth like doing some elevated creative around, mm-hmm. we'll ship it down to him, send him a little brief, and have him shoot it, turn around the next day. I mean, not not next day, but you know, have them shoot it, turn it around, and, instead um, of just a static, boring ecom on photo, a white background white or background, whatever. Like, I mean, the stuff that I was doing wasn't. Um, some of it was just it was just basic coverage, but mm-hmm. it was it was cover it was still it wasn't just basic ecom, and it was still on styles that 
they were overlooking from a marketing standpoint. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they weren't pushing. Uh, so they would be like, we're going to put all of our all of our budget into like the new Jordan launch. Yeah. But then they started realizing like if we just give this guy a little bit of money, like he can, he'll make these socks look fucking crazy, yeah. or like these this wristband is gonna. Yeah, but it's not. No, it's like footwear. I mean, not, I mean, I don't even know how many shoes. I mean, yeah. at one point we shot in one year we shot like fifteen hundred products for Nike. They were all shoes. So it's like, wow. I mean, that's and that and that wasn't even everything. That mm-hmm. wasn't. That was just one category, one year. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so. Um, they produce a lot of stuff, so there's a lot of stuff that slipped through the cracks. And so what I was doing was like I was just producing high quality imagery, and I was giving it back to them, and then they would market it. Like it could have just been a Facebook ad, you know. Could, mm-hmm. This was like pre Instagram. I mean, not pre Instagram. Instagram was just brands weren't tapping into Instagram the way they are now yet. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I helped launch the Nike Sportswear Instagram, you know. So um, like working with them, creating the assets. So before like it'd be like. They'll include, include it in their email blast or exactly. stuff like that. All that shit. All that shit. So it's, yeah, it's like, and it still it doesn't have, they like that stuff, like they don't want it to be over the top creative, but they also don't want it to just be a, a boring mm-hmm. e com shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, that's how I got in. And then so I was just on a retainer to do that. And I'd be honest with you, didn't know a lot of what the fuck I was doing. I mean, I had mm-hmm. done photography in the past. I had directed and shot, you know, high-level music videos. I mean, I talked. The first video I did was a thousand dollars. At the time when I stopped doing music videos and transitioned into doing commercial work with Nike, the last video I did was a hundred and fifty thousand dollars budget. I didn't take away a hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but I wish I should have. But uh, for how much shit I had to put up with on it, but but um, but that just goes to show you in a in a a span of three years. That's how um, in a span of three years. That's you know how I was able to progress. So, like an entrepreneur, you you saw a lane yeah. that was open that yeah. you could fill yourself. Yep. And I and I literally stopped doing music videos in Atlanta. I moved to LA, mm-hmm. um, and I set up a studio space here. All big risks, including mm-hmm. financial, including whatever. I don't have any family out here. I don't know mm-hmm. anybody out here. Um, and that's why it's like. After reading that definition of entrepreneurship, like it now, it really starts to like hit home. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like, yeah, like I moved out here, set up a studio, I had a little a four hundred square foot studio that I subletted half of it from a guy who was using it once a week. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And just like, and um, and then the next, and then every year, just tried to grow, just got out of that into a bigger space, ne- never biting off more than I can chew. But I think what makes me different and what makes maybe more successful people different than others is like being able to see the opportunity in something and then also not treating it just as like the opportunity that it's being presented to you as, but seeing past that and then at- tapping into that and executing on that. And what I mean by that is like someone comes to you with a project well, and they tell you, well, it's just a small little thing that we want done, like it's not a big deal. That's how they're presenting it to you. But if you can see that as an opportunity, I was like, okay, if I can make this Nike shit look better, as good or better than some of the big studios are making it look, mm-hmm. then, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a new opportunity that's going to come from that and come from that. You mm-hmm. know? When I was doing music videos, my, call, my business card was my last video on TV. If that video was great, I was, my phone was off the hook. Mm-hmm. If that video was whatever, mediocre, trash, it was a slow season, you mm-hmm. know? So it's all about the work and it's all about taking opportunities, whether they might be free opportunities. It might be, you know, I could fucking, and that's why like, I'm very sensitive when people come to me and they're like, 
you know, you don't always have to have a million dollar budget to come do something at my space. It's like, but tell me about the project. Like, let me see if it's something, something I'm interested in. Let me see if it's something that I can, you know, maybe flip into something bigger. Is it something that I believe in? Right. Where and we can build, build something. Let's build fam. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, exactly. It's like, let me see if it's something that, and, it, and if it's not, that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that like, maybe I'm not the person to help. But yeah, but like, I'll do free jobs. I'll do mm-hmm. tests. I do tests all the time. But I do them strategically. Just being able to take small opportunities and snowball them. And it's not going to happen overnight. And everyone says that and blah, blah, blah. But it's just like one day at a time. Maximize your potential that day. And whatever it is that you have in front of you. So, Have there, have there been any projects that have come across your desk that you said no to and ended up regretting? During my music video days, a ton. <laughs> uh, during my music video days, a ton. Nowadays, not so much. You got an example from the video days? Yeah. Uh, Kevin Gates like approached me to do like two or three of his like first big singles. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know who he was at the time. And, um, and I was busy. And... I was the type of person that just wanted to do one big project every month and not, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I realize now, like, damn, you know, like, fuck, like, and it's not just because, it's not even just because, like, oh, he, he became a bigger artist, you know, whatever. It's because now that I go back and listen to some of his music, I'm like, I actually fuck with this. Mm-hmm. And it's so rare to like, to like, like what you do, like, in work and like, and, you know, like the music or even like the fact that, you know, like, like a campaign, like, I'm shooting Nike shoes that I I'm, I want to go out and buy these. You yeah. know, like that's a like, I mean, if you can get that plus getting paid for it, I mean, like that's the that's the dream. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you don't have. To, I mean, you could you could be buying a yacht off of Skechers money, but yeah, you know, but you know exactly. So, but that that um, Waka Flocka was one of those people who always wanted to um, to work. Gucci always wanted to work, mm-hmm. uh, and we just never really aligned. And I was also like, you know, I was like doing stuff with Jeezy and there was like this tension there. And I was just like, but at the same time, I wasn't like signed to Jeezy. It didn't matter, but it was just right. um, whatever. Yeah, in, that, in that world, there's a lot of uh, loyalty yeah, yeah. that you have to stick exactly. to. You got to stick to the G code in that world. And some of it is like, you know, some of it loyalty you need to stick to and some of it's like bullshit, you mm-hmm. know. But not um, unlike, uh, you know, like a Nike and Adidas. Well, like, for example, Nike, I'm very loyal to, too. Not just because, I, I mean, I've always liked Nike more than Adidas, but, mm-hmm. um, and there's nothing wrong with Adidas, but I think they've actually done a great job in the last couple of seasons and couple of years. But Nike has really took a risk in me, investing in me and giving me opportunities, you know what I mean, um, over the last three years. And that they have, you know, I've, you know, since then picked up clients like Beats and since then picked up clients like MeUndies. Um, no, there's not going to be any commercial MeUndies podcast commercial here. Don't <laughs> insert that there. Go to MeUndies.com slash Dim Jeans and get 20% off your first order and free shipping. Save even more when you buy a pack of them. They guarantee you're going to be happy with them or your first pair is free. But yeah, so I'm very loyal to that. But yeah, back in the day, I was like, and plus I didn't like, it's different when you were directed just to get a little bit of a side tangent. When you're a director, it takes you a music video director. It takes you, you know, a month to do one one project. 
from mm-hmm. the time that they call you to say, hey, we want you to do the video. Come to the studio, listen to the song, tell them what you think, and blah, 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 do all the bullshit. Mm-hmm. To where I'm writing a treatment, I'm submitting a budget. All right, now we're shooting it. Okay, now I'm going to spend two weeks of editing it. That is a four-week process. Another creative person on the, maybe it's a producer, or maybe it's a director of photography. Those people can do four or five music videos in a week. Mm-hmm. They're getting four or five times the amount of experience you know, mm. than I am. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to overwork myself because I was a little pussy, right? <laughs> so, um, and if I could tell my future, my 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 past self now, I'd been like, "Yo, you should take every opportunity that comes your way that you that you fuck with. Mm-hmm. If you fuck with it, do it." You know, because there was a lot of times I'm like, "Man, I don't want to take this job because, like, ah, it's not enough money and it's going to be so much work for the amount of whatever." But it's like I should have just did it. Mm-hmm. I probably would have a way better reel right now and like more more stuff that i'm proud of mm-hmm. on, on the on that tip you're not going to feel any less tired than you do right now or any more tired exactly than if you not, did that de- video. not at this moment definitely not you know so <laughs> um it's behind you you know so it's like you'll make up for it you'll sleep sometime you know yep. like your body has a way of correcting itself um but but yeah there was just a lot of like you know there's a lot of good work left on the table mm-hmm. i feel like during that time, and you never know, it might there might be some some stuff that comes back, whatever. But I think, unfortunately, because I get asked that question a lot, like, "Oh, man, you ever going to go back and do some music videos?" And it's like, yeah, if the if the project's right, you know. But it's like, as a full time thing now, I'm I'm out of the, I'm in another world, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm happy to be in another world. But and I do miss that stuff, um, but. There's no way I could be hot, like in the place that I am now if I wouldn't have t- taken that jump. Like I would, you know, there's no way I would have a studio space and like all these this equipment and like, you know, and all these things are other things that can make me money. It's not just like me where it's like, "Oh, here's my fee." You don't have any other way to make money. You can't rent your laptop to, you know, <laughs> as a part of the production. You know, it's like so I think that's another way that people don't really tap into and it's not for every industry, but like, yo, if you own your camera and you own your lights, you can be renting that stuff all the time or you could be owning it and charging it back to the client and paying for it and then having it to yourself or whenever you want to use it for anything else. Well, speaking of that, what is your most treasured piece of equipment that you have? Oh, that's a trick question. <laughs> um, my most treasured... I mean, other than, I mean, obviously the, your first 5D was probably your most yeah. well, influential no, my piece first, of equipment. Yeah, I kind of actually... My first camera that I shot a lot of the Jeezy stuff on, the Saha stuff stuff on, I don't even have anymore because it was, long story short, um, <laughs> the owner took it back. He Indian gave, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, won't, we won't get into that. But, um, but yeah. I'm, I'm, what about currently then? Currently, cur- currently, yeah. It's like, I mean, obviously I just invested in this um, like six-axis robot that's like, you know, <laughs> $300,000 investment and it can do pretty much anything and everything that you can think of. It's just a matter of, you know, it has limitations obviously, but you know, can you program it to you? And basically what it's used for is to do really intricate camera moves. Um, but you don't have to put a camera on the end of it. You can put a light on the end of it. Mm-hmm. You can put an object on the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. There's a company up in San Francisco called Bot and Dolly. They're uh, really famous for, they did a basically an art film where they put these projection screens on the end of these robots and Mm. did some you know they had some projection mapping that was going on but it was like this like choreographed thing where these robots are moving around 
Um, they don't, when I say robots, they're more like, they look like arms that would put together a car on an assembly plant. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what they are. But they've, there's just companies that have basically outfitted those for the film industry, the photography industry. Um, so that way you can shoot this crazy, intricate movement and have yeah. it be programmed and then do that a million times and it never, it's, it's, never it's always yeah. perfect every time. Yeah, and it's not even just about the, the repeatability. That's one thing of it. Um, it's also, I can basically take, you know, we can, it's precise, it's repeatable. Um, it can do things that, it can move so fast that, uh, a human, it, it would it wouldn't be achievable with a normal camera mm. operator, focus puller, dolly grip, which is what it, the three people it would take to do some some type of move. Mm-hmm. So, it, on top of those actions, it can actually do things that a, a, a physical human, a team of humans cannot, a team do, of humans do. cannot, right? Mm-hmm. Because it can move so fast and so precise, um, and so, so smooth, and so smooth. So that is a uh, one thing that's obviously top of mind. Uh, and, and an easy answer, um, just because it's new, but we haven't really, I mean, we got it, it's only been, we've only had it for a month, we got trained on it, four days of training, and I've been so busy with actual other projects. I mean, look, I'm gonna, I gotta pay for it one way or another. I don't have to use it to pay for it, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, so I can't turn down all this other work that's coming in, I gotta just, you gotta roll with it while you can, mm-hmm. uh, and then play with it and and test it when when you got your free time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's an easy answer. But my, my most prized equipment is probably like lights. Like mm-hmm. I think the one thing that separates a commercial photographer or a professional photographer, if you will, versus an, let's say an Instagram photographer, you know, have a hundred thousand followers and are, you know, very popular on Instagram and are, you know, and they're, and they're good photographers, but they, those same people come to me all the time and like, how do you, make money or like how do you you know <laughs> you know what what am i missing like what what what's what's happening what's different what's and the difference and the reason this is why i said lights but the difference is is like i'm able to craft a shot from start to finish right and there's a difference between that someone coming to me and saying hey we want this image we want it to look like this mm-hmm. whether it's a a description, whether it's an actual reference, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a rendering, whatever it is, I'm able to, to take that and from nothing build it. With so so instead of being able to get lucky and capture a moment, you're able to create a moment. A create a moment exactly. And whereas a lot of Instagram photographers, I think, are just people who are out and about a lot. I mean, I mean, we want to get into the the way you get followers and the popularity and all that stuff. That's a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're judging it solely on photography, that's different. But I mean, there's people who play the game, mm-hmm. and that's why their follow count is so high and things of that nature. But if you want to talk about just photography, but it's it's really boils down to okay, yeah, like you can like you can have a few a cool picture of future. And like you showed up to a concert and got in the you got the right media pass and got in the in the you know the photo boot like uh, pit and took a cool picture, mm-hmm. but you didn't. All you did was snap a picture, like right. The the stage designer fucking crafted that photo for you. He made that set beautiful mm-hmm. and with the lights and the this and the that. And you just you stole that shot. You hit a button. You hit a button, and. 
And so, and not, and I'm not, I don't want to, there's a, there's a, it's a whole different and style. Apple made an amazing camera yeah. inside of your cell phone. Yeah. After exactly. 10 years exactly. of engineering nonstop. <laughs> yes. And your dumbass hit a button. And your dumbass hit a button. You showed up and you hit a button and put a visco on it. Exactly. And put a visco filter on it. And then you're like, well, why am I not getting paid as a photographer? And, <laughs> um, and so, and that's the difference. Knowing why a shot is good or, or you know, being able, you're designing a shot, or, mm-hmm. or knowing why it's good. Those are the differences between um, a, a professional photographer and someone who calls himself a photographer because they carry a camera on everywhere, mm-hmm. um, or who's a you know whatever photo hobbyist. I mean, but it's all it's all about light, you know. It's all about light. Light, like I could make, I could take, I could take a, a good photo with the iPhone, um, or a shitty photo with the iPhone. Mm-hmm. But if you know light and you know what looks good and what looks bad. Then now you have, now you have something because mm-hmm. I can I don't have to use a sixty thousand dollar medium format camera. I can still beat you with a shittier camera. You can have a better camera, but because I know light, um, or a little bit of light, light life is like light is like studying. It's like a lifelong. It never ends. It never ends. You're you're constantly studying. A daytime to learn, a lifetime to master. Yes, I like that. That's that's good. Did you just come up with that now? I, no, I say that about all kinds of shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, but yeah, it's 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 a lifelong lesson, and, mm-hmm. and you know you're constantly learning about it. So aesthetic style all plays into that because you can know lighting. Uh, proper exposure, like you know, I get, I go to some of these, you know, I'm I'm all self-taught, so I've done a lot of the seminar, I mean, a lot of the workshops and the this and the that, just to you know try and soak up as much knowledge as I can wherever I can, or validate the knowledge that I have. And you know, you get, you know, you get, you go to, I've gone to these things, and you meet people, and the, your, you know, your your teachers or your, you know, your whatever, are usually like maybe your peers or maybe someone a little bit above you, and they know all of the technical shit about lighting and how it works but their style is just terrible you mm-hmm. know and they're not and they're not you know like they don't have good they maybe they don't have good taste I, th- I think that same combination is carried over into the rap world as well sure. where like eminem could be considered the the greatest rapper but he's not rapping about things that people want to hear about yeah. so nobody really cares so you really you have to be cool you yeah. have to know what's cool yeah. and be talented on top of it if you're just really talented then you're just going to be a teacher yeah. teaching yeah. a lighting seminar at a college or you're just going to be like a battle rapper on youtube yeah. and if you're really really cool but you're not good at it you know you'll you'll yeah. like pop off a little bit on soundcloud yeah. but you're never going to be yeah. You know, you're not going to be selling out Barclays unless you can do both. And this is how you get to the next level. It's not some secret. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> What's going to happen is you're going to get an opportunity where either there's no budget or the first photographer or the second, third photographer who they wanted, I'm going to speak in photography terms because it's, it's mm-hmm. easier, wasn't available or declined because it wasn't, you know, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And they waited to the last minute. And they're and they're gonna they're gonna throw you a bone or what you think is a bone, but it's not gonna be a bone. It's gonna be an instance where you're gonna have to pull a rabbit out of the fucking hat. It's gonna be a, a crazy deadline with no money, and you're gonna have to push yourself to get through it. But if you do that and you and it comes out successful, now you're their guy for life. And mm-hmm. those other three photographers who they who 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 whoever passed on or weren't available or whatever, they're not calling them anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Now they're coming back to you because you're, because you, even though they might have pitched it to you as, as a bone that they were throwing to you, mm-hmm. you helped them out because they fucked up. They threw you a knuckleball and you, yeah. and you got a grand slam. Exactly. And that, and that can, and that will just continue to happen. And so what I've done is I've tried to, knowing that, set myself up for success to be able to always hit grand slams when you throw me a knuckleball. Mm-hmm. By owning my own studio, by owning my own equipment, by um, you know, by having in-house retouchers and in-house people who can uh, do other creative parts of the thing. So it's like you come at me last minute with some shit, and if it's you know, but it's something that I want, and that's the type of work that I want to get into. I'm mm-hmm. gonna drop everything that I can. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make sure it's the best shit possible. And hopefully I'm going to hit a grand slam. And I know like, it's just a matter of, you know, it's just a matter of that. And that's how I've, I think, managed to set myself up for success because I don't have to be like, oh, shit, I got to like, because everybody can't do that, especially what I've done now with this robot, because everybody can't say, oh, yeah, I want to do this motion control project. Um, well, we got to rent it and we got to find a studio space and we got to do it. It's like I've got 80% of the puzzle already put together mm-hmm. and all I need is to put the other last 20%. Whereas these other people have to, you know, you wouldn't even get, some of those people won't even get that opportunity. So for me, it's like, I'm just like getting everything together and waiting for the opportunity to knock versus, or, or I'll go out and make, you know, you know, create mm-hmm. my own opportunity. But, but I think in life, that's how you start to like nudge up in levels is like, you got some opportunity that wasn't even supposed to come to you, mm-hmm. but it did. And if you can if you can flip that talk about flipping bricks and flipping whatever like flipping opportunities that is how you mm-hmm. level up in the world yeah there's all all those people those companies the people in charge of giving out money they have a million things that they're worried about that they're trying to check off their list and if you can be the person that they never have to worry about yeah you're always going to be getting checks exactly like i'm going to oh we can give this dan dan's got us you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, and then you couple that with just being a fucking pleasant person, you know, like, <laughs> and you know what I mean, and not being a fucking dick and just being a good person, and you know, like, you know, and you, you know, and just having good basic like etiquette, you know, mm-hmm. in general, business etiquette, and it's easy, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I, it's not easy, but I'm saying like it's, you know, part of. Part of a part of a lot of what you do as a freelance, you know, person or you know, or a business owner is just fucking being likable. Mm-hmm. Some people, because a lot of business just comes down to, do I like this person? Do I get good vibes from this person? Do I get is it good energy? Um, mm-hmm. That boils down to it too. So, but if you can do the tactical part and be likable, then you're in good shape. All right, Dan. Thank you so much for doing this, my friend. It was a pleasure. People want to go and check you out online. Where would where would the best place to yes, be? Yes, the best place, you go to whereitsgreater.com. My personal stuff is just, my Vimeo page is the easiest for to check out old videos. Vimeo.com slash Decatur Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of have a, a personal site in DanielHall.com where it's just 
things that I don't know where to put. That's all your poetry? That's all my poetry, shit where I don't know where to go. And your Instagram's just Decatur Dan. The Instagram's just Decatur Dan. And all right, man. Well, thank you for doing this. Absolutely. I spit that other shit. That's a nice motherfucker shit. Fed time, follow me around. Do you cover shit, nigga? You bear money. I'm all year money. I'm popping, you ain't got to count it. It's all lib money. I never change money, because niggas got strange money. Knocked up, marked up, fucked up in the game money. I got bail money. Double XL money. You got flash now, but time will reveal money.